Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now entering the Second Fit Comics Podcast. Starring Mark Clare and Renzo Martinez. Come one, come all to the main streets of the DC Universe. We're going street level today, that's right. No infinite crises, no alien invaders, no temporal beings, no magic imps. We're talking the cold, hard cement of inner city street violence by way of the Huntress. Before we go ahead and jump into that today, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by our good friends at Fox and Sons Coffee, you've heard me talk about them over and over and over and over and over about them, and you're all telling me, hey, this is some good, good coffee, bro. Well, yeah, that's why I drink it so much. That's why I'm constantly getting my bags of Electric Boogaloo, Tanzania Peaberry, Brazilian Honey Prep. Our good friend Stephen Fox is just like me, though. He's a man of the people. Other than good coffee, he knows good deals. Go ahead and use the code second print pod. That's second print pod. Spell out second print pod at Fox N Sun. So F O X N S O N S, FoxNSons.com. Use code second print pod to save 15% off your order of $25 or more. And uh, if you're like me, you're going to want a couple big bags. You'll thank me later. Your spouse will thank me later because you'll both be highly caffeinated and ready to attack the day. So second print pod at checkout to save 15% off your order of $15 of, of $25 or more at foxandsons.com. Uh, it's just me today, but you know, I'm never really alone because you get to ride shotgun with me. Uh, I love street level heroes. And when it comes to like my trifecta of what I really want, like I love horror. Horror is like my mainstay. And then I love, you know, my classic tropey superhero books as well. I will always be a sucker for, you know, Cape Crusaders and tights. And then in the middle is the the street level hero. The street level hero, I think, often gets ignored. And I'm talking your Daredevils, your Luke Cages. In the Marvel in the Marvel universe, you get them pretty much everywhere. And um, despite the fact that in the MCU he seems to go to space and wear a lot of Tony Stark shit a lot. Um, Spider-Man is still considered a street-level hero. I would consider Wolverine, in his own titles, typically a street-level hero. And DC often gets overlooked when it comes to their street-level heroes. I'm talking Vigilante. I'm talking Huntress, who is today's topic. And I can't really think of anyone else batman batman is a is a uniquely street level hero but you know he, he's like spider-man he can quickly jump between the street fighting the joker and two-face and killer croc and all that stuff and then going and fighting dark side and stuff i almost said Thanos for a second but uh huntress is a character who i really like she's probably one of my favorite uh not just one of my favorite female characters but she's one of my favorite dc characters because she's 
a regular person who has to, you know, stick out in a fantastic world such as the DCEU. My, my, not DCEU, the DC Universe. So what difference does it make at this point? Um, my first exposure to Huntress was in Justice League Unlimited. Uh, she was the main squeeze of the question. You get to see their, uh, their cool romance kind of pop up on there alongside that of Green Arrow and Black Canary. Uh, she is... For the most part, what, what I can the only way I can describe her is through another Marvel comparison. She is DC's Electra. You know, she's martial arts based. She's weapons based. Comes from the background of having uh, you know lost her family due to mob violence, and because of that, she goes off, trains herself to become a deadly assassin. In Huntress's case, she just goes on to be a hero, a street level hero. Now, unlike Electra. She she has an anti-hero vibe, but she doesn't go around killing people with swords as much. She very much is in the realm of the Bat family without having been directly tied to Batman uh, until mainly recent years when she was connected with the Outsiders, you know, Nightwing, uh, Arsenal, Roy Harper, um, that group. She was also in the Birds of Prey. You might know her from the Birds of Prey movie with Harley Quinn where they didn't do her much justice. My favorite on-screen version of Huntress actually comes from the uh, the Arrow TV series. Huntress, uh, Helena Bertinelli, actually shows up in season two in a later season. I think that's the best on-screen portrayal of her. You might also know her from the early 2000s TV show in which she is the daughter of Batman and Catwoman. Now, you might be thinking, well, isn't that her all the time? No. In the golden age of DC Comics, she was the daughter. She was the daughter of Bruce Wayne and Selina Kyle. But that got reconned way later, and now she's her own character. She has nothing to do with Batman. And since then, you know, know, New 52, Dawn of DC, Rebirth, whatever you want to do, basic continuity has basically said that she is not Batman's daughter. But sometimes they will go ahead and pull that out. Like if you were a New 52 child like I was in the early 2010s, what you got was the Earth 2 comic series, which only lasted, I think, like eight or nine issues, but crossed over into a lot of the other titles, such as World's Finest, Constantine, and uh, a couple others. And in that one, uh, Helena Wayne was Selena and Bruce's child. She was a she was one of the Robins, and later she teams up with Power Girl to uh, to be Huntress. But otherwise, the origin that we're going to cover today is de facto the origin that's almost always going to get referenced, the main canon, if you will. And I love this. This issue came out in April of 1989. It's the first issue of the Huntress series. And you see her in a Batman-esque costume, kind of kind of like Elektra. If Elektra and Batman kind of had their costumes mixed around, it would be Huntress. And um, let's go ahead and see the writer and the artist for this. This is Joey Cavalieri and Joe Stanton, who also did the Green Arrow series around the time, if I'm correct. Uh, you know, we're talking a uh, hunter's moon, the longbow hunters, that type of thing. So we're going to go ahead and jump into this. And before we go ahead and get started, um, you know, I want to go ahead and thank you all recently, uh, Jose and Heidi and, uh, Ariel people who go ahead and, uh, you know, just, just really help us keep the show on as well as our many other pat- patrons, 
at patreon.com slash secondprintpod. Mark and I could not do this if not for you. As many as you, as many of you have noticed, Mark has been gone for the last couple of weeks because Mark had some stuff to deal with that I'm not going to announce. Mark can talk about it or not, but you know, it was uh, very much the same case last year when I was when I had to head out for a while, as many of you remember. And Mark had to go ahead and take the helm of things because that's what a good co-host does. And I hope you have all enjoyed uh, me with the, you know, token uncle Brody, uh, Caleb Franz, the generate panel. I hope that I've been able to entertain you while Mark has been taking care of family things, but uh, it's the financial support from our patrons who jump in as little as $5 a month who go ahead and get early episodes like this one that you're listening to now. Um, you know, uh, Patreon exclusive shows such as, you know, Tales from the Fuck it Pile. We have an upcoming Forceworks uh, miniseries with, uh, you know, uh, Big Pimpin' producer uh, Jeffrey. So, I mean, we're able to do that. Tomorrow I will be mailing out books. Needless to say, whatever level you're at, you matter, especially the folks over in the Second Per Comics fan group on Facebook, our private Facebook group. You, you keep the fun alive, and that's why we do this. So if you enjoy this, if you want to be part of our community, it's as little as five smackers a month. And in Joe Biden's economy, that's pennies. So please, go ahead, help us out, patreon.com slash secondprintpod, where you can join for as little as five smackers a month. So we are going along with issue one of Huntress. This issue is titled Code of Silence. And the artwork is very we did um we did a series I think last year called Mage where I basically said that the artwork was very it was very hand-drawn heavy and I know that sounds kind of ridiculous cuz everything at this point in comic book is hand-drawn heavy but it it takes a it has a lot. It's more line work than anything else. I would almost say it's more James O'Barr with color, and um, it's it's very it, it, it's very literal in a way. It's it's very literal um, in terms of its rendering of characters. I'm not an artist, so you're gonna have to um, you know take a look at this. I'm looking at this on the DC Infinite app. But the first page shows this uh, attractive blonde woman walking through an alleyway, and that never ends well. And this guy is peering around the corner, and he pulls out a switchblade. Well, y'all can kind of imagine how this is going, but it's okay. Because from the shadows on a nearby rooftop, we see our caped crusader looking down to protect the woman. So next thing you know, it's as you would expect. Uh, the man with a knife grabs her from behind. She starts fighting. He cuts her purse off. He throws her to the ground. And we think, oh, no, something bad is, is going to happen because that's what typically happens when women get attacked in alleyways. But it's okay, though, because and – and what I like is that there's no, there's no words. There's no screaming. There's no inner monologue. It's all silence. It's all artwork. It's all painting the scene. It's all – Uh, blue and purple and black hues as he's about to do whatever this villain is about to do we see the huntress lunge out and kick him square across the jaw um she's about to go ahead and finish him off but he runs away and um you know she he's not her concern the woman's health and well-being is her concern so as uh he's running away she checks on 
her. He's running around the corners, and she's like, well, the woman's fine, so I'm going to go back and get him. She goes and kicks the ever-loving shit out of him before tying him to a fire escape. And this is when we get to see a final full-body look of Helena with her giant black 80s hair and her Olympian body. Um, You know, this is very much a costume that will change over time. It's not the traditional Huntress costume that many of you uh, might know from stuff it's missing a lot of leather but this is really where it kind of comes from you could see the inspiration so the woman is getting up she goes to her purse and then uh huntress picks up her wallet and she's like hey this is yours i found it nearby huh helena uh cabarazzo i probably fucked that name up because i can't read um the name in your wallet that, that your name i saw it in the wallet and the woman's like yes that's me thank you for helping me i don't know what i would have done you know And she's, like, stuttering because she's in shock. Obviously, she's in a lot of shock. So Huntress puts her hand on her shoulder, and she's like, you know, I used to know somebody with a name like that a long time ago as she walks into the shadows all mysterious. (laughs) Like, she's given given Batman vibes, but Batman wouldn't talk as much. And I kind of like this because I think a lot of female street characters, they tend to almost act exactly like men. I think a lot of what we see in Hollywood has female characters acting like men. But Batman, I don't think he would often stop and talk and try and comfort somebody. That's a woman's touch that seems authentic, and I, I do appreciate that. That's a little bit of a differentiation because, as I mentioned, it kind of starts like a Batman comic, kind of looks like a Batman character, but Helena is different. So we go ahead and we go back in time. Now we're getting to actually see her origins. We see Helena going to Angelo's convenience store, and we see Angelo uh, arguing with his son. Basically, um, you know, he's noticed that his son is picking up extra money, and the son is essentially doing work for the mob. They're they're an Italian family, and this is obviously in like the '70s in in terms of the era. So he's you know he's uh, he's lecturing his son. Meanwhile, young Helena is in looking at candy. We see her in her schoolgirl uniform, and then this guy comes in, and he looks like. Uh, pedophile there's no way around it he's creepy he looks like a rich pedophile and that's obviously bad foreshadowing because i kind of just blurted it but um you know slick black hair glasses part of the mob something to notice and as helena looks up uh the only the only um dialogue going on is between the father and his son the son does not the father does not want his son involved in you know any type of street crime but as he's talking helena is looking up this stranger and he's just looking down staring at her with his glasses and then he touches her on her head just giving her like a pat that's just like you don't fucking touch other people's kids bro you don't fucking do that so uh he steps everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. out as the shopkeeper, uh, you know, store owner comes out. And uh, he notices that she's there to pick something up. So she picks it up uh, for her father. And uh, next thing you know, she's like, oh, you're Helena Bertinelli, aren't you Guido's kid? Take all the candy uh, you want, sweetheart. And here, um, 
give this to your father for me, huh? Tell him Fat Angelo says hello. So she has all this candy and stuff. Obviously, you can tell that her father must also be part of the mob. Something to do with that. So she's walking out. Uh, you know, she's smiling, forgetting the fact that a grown-ass man just started, like, rubbing her head and stuff. But this is where things get really dark. And this is, need I tell you, this is still a DC comic book. But this is not happy-go-lucky super friends. We see the guy pull up, and he's like, ah, Guido's kid. Must have heard that. And uh, she looks at him quietly, and he's like, your father and I go back a long time. We're old friends. And he's basically getting her into his car. He's like, I can take you home if you want. Help yourself to some of the candy, as if that's not a freaking red flag right there. He's got candy in his freaking car. Um, He says, I've got some stuff back there even Fat Angelo doesn't have. So then we fast forward to later that night. Um, What the hell do I pay you people for? They were at the Bertinelli residence, this big modern-esque mansion, and basically... um, Guido Bertinelli is just screaming because somebody has kidnapped Helena, his daughter. Uh, what kind of, uh, what am I, some kind of Santa Claus? I throw money around, I expect results. I got everybody on the goddamn payroll. Bodyguards, judges, mayors, a battery of weasel lawyers, and like you on retainer now. And he's just like constantly yelling at them because they can't find his daughter. They're in full search mode and he's freaking out. So next thing you know, Helena's mother comes down, and he's, she's like, all the screaming, all the threats. They're not getting my daughter back. I want my daughter back. So they're crying, and they're freaking out. When suddenly, the cops show up, and they have Helena. But this is, this, is, this is how a comic book is supposed to be. It's show, don't tell. And I like the way that they've layered the story in which the artwork really carries what is happening. It carries emotion, regardless of what the dialogue is. The cops show up and we see Helena. She's smiling, excited to see her parents. But her uniform, her shirt, everything is all ripped up. And she refuses to speak. So Guido runs over. He's like, darling, Helena, come here to daddy. We're worried about you. And the mother is like looking at her. The father's just happy she's there. The mother is like looking at her and her clothes and everything. She's like, oh, my God. Helena, honey, what did they do to you? Helena, are you all right? Can I get you anything? Are you hurt? And Guido's like, who did this to you? Just tell me who did this to you. Was it a man? Was it two men? What did they look like? What did they look like? Tell daddy, honey. And she's just, she's in shock. She doesn't say anything. She goes up into her room, grabs uh, all the stuffed animals from her bed, throws them on the ground, and she's just in the shadows. So I'm not going to outright say what happened, but you, if you have two brain cells and watch Sound of Freedom, can immediately tell happened so now we fast forward some a lot of time has passed she's in college now and um you know she's she's an attractive woman she obviously is uh you know smart and she comes with money and guys are throwing themselves at her and uh you know she talks about you know i don't need a guy to protect me and all this stuff it's the strong female character stereotype but this isn't without context. We can obviously tell why she doesn't want guys around her. That's very, very understandable. So she's standoffish. She doesn't. She says she doesn't need a man to protect her, but we have context. It, it really fleshes out who she is right now. So now what we see is that the Bertinelli family 
is, um, you know, still doing very well. They're asking her how she's doing. And, you know, we can tell that Guido is in crime without knowing that he's directly in crime because of what happens next. A, uh, armed, masked assassin breaks through the windows as the entire Bertinelli family is eating, all their henchmen, all their people there. And, uh, you know, this guy comes in. He's like, at last, time for breaking the law of Immersia, the silencer. So what he's basically talking is in code, and he's talking some, like, you know, mafia code, kind of like some John Wick stuff, like you can't kill people in the Continental Hotel, that type of thing. And uh, he just starts spraying, 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 spraying. And one panel shows uh, the Bertinelli family. Uh, Guido is throwing his arm over Helena to protect her. And as he's, as the guy, as the mass assassin starts shooting, uh, we see blood splatter. We see, uh, you know, paintings and glassware shatter, but we don't see anyone shatter until the next page in which everyone is dead. We see Helena's mother's dead, Guido's dead, all the henchmen are dead, there's blood everywhere. And what's sick is that the guy comes over, he's like, ah, job well done, a masterpiece. He takes the, he takes the blood from the wall, um, you know, uh, and he goes ahead and he writes Omerta or Omerta, and he's like, like all great artists, I prefer to sign my work. This is, but this is premature. It's not over yet. Not for you. He goes over to Guido, who's still alive but struggling. And uh, he's like, you're coming with me. So as Helena is on the floor playing dead, he notices that somebody has taken her father. So now, um, you know, she's talking to a family attorney. She's still very stoic after having just dealt with all that death recently. And, um, you know, at this point, she has inherited her father's entire estate, all his fortune, all his resources. It's hers because for all it for all intents and purposes, he is dead and we don't know where he is. So now what we see is that, um, uh, you know, she's in town, she's about to leave and she's in her car. And next thing you know, the same guy is standing on this cathedral rooftop and he starts firing at her. So what we know is that this must be just a couple days later, he's firing at her. She's running away. She jumps into a taxi and luckily the guy lets her in and they're able to drive off. But, um, yeah, at this point she goes back to school and she's with a, a friend of hers, and she's basically like, why are you leaving school? You're a brilliant student. You've worked hard, and you've trained to Olympic potential, but you're just throwing this away, your whole future, not just in gymnastics, but come on. And she's like, I don't have a future, Helena says. I don't have a past, and now I don't have a future. I have no family. I have no friends here, and I have to get away. And her friend is like, look, I know it's hard for you to make friends, but you've been ostracized because of who your father was. The people are afraid of that people are afraid of you, that your family's, you know, reputation is something you have to live down. And as for your rep, you better get yourself a thick skin. So not really a a fucking good friend. And Helena's just thinking to herself, this is really her first thought balloon dialogue. She says, thick, try bulletproof. Uh, When suddenly the guy that she was talking to earlier, um, you know, he comes by and She's like, he's like, hey, I, I couldn't help but overhearing your desire for wide open spaces. Wouldn't have anything to do with that sniper attack on Solvent Street, would it? And Helena's like, what? How did you know? And he's like, hey, word gets around. This is the same guy who she was saying, I don't need a man to protect me earlier. Um, word gets around. Think you'll be doing okay on your own? I don't. Learn how to protect yourself, okay? 
I, I don't, I think you need to. So basically what he, um, what is revealed is that this guy was an employee of her father's and he's, you know, he, he cares for her to a degree and he's willing to basically take her and teach her how to defend herself. So from this point, what we see is essentially a Rocky montage. She's shooting guns. She's throwing darts. She's doing stuff with whips. She's learning martial arts. She says, Helena Bertinelli is gone. She was a facade masking a great ideal of masking a great deal of pain, masking her feelings, masking her fears. The old facade is cracked. The stoic, the sharp tongue all broken down to provide fuel for a new self. Helena thought she was imitating. She couldn't scare anybody. Helena thought she was intimidating. She couldn't scare anybody. It's time to invent someone who can. Then we see her. I mean, it's very Batman-ish. It's very Elektra-ish. By the end of this montage, she picks up a cape. And then we see on the last page, her in full costume, kind of taking you back to the beginning of the story. Uh, to confront the ultimate killers, I must construct the ultimate alias. To combat the murderers who would destroy my family, crush my own life in their own way, to consume everything, I must become greater, more fearsome, uh, more fearsome destroyer. To track down the animals who prey on the innocent, I must stalk them first. I'm no longer their quarry. I am the huntress. And she looks badass and intimidating as hell. And that marks the end of the first issue. I gotta say... I know this was a quicker issue. I know this was a quicker episode, but this really does meet the definition of a good way to start things out. It's not so linear that it's almost a you know paint by uh, numbers type of comic book origin. You can see a lot of the beats it takes, but it does so with some pretty mature material. For DC, I think a lot of people think DC is supposed to be all happy-go-lucky, and then that's why they were so confused with the Snyder era of DC films. But this is some DC street shit. Like, this is some hard shit. So let's go ahead and just jump into the rating. Story-wise... I think I think if and we're just judging this one issue, I think this is good. It tells you everything it need you need to know. It's show don't tell. I like where it's going. It has that eighties action movie vibe you like. And she's a badass broad without being a total bitch. And I know that makes me sound kind of harsh, but like how many times have we dealt with this, you know, strong female character who's basically a dude? Helena Bertinelli, the huntress, is a strong woman. We see that. They give you the context. They flush her out as a person. She is a strong person, and that's what makes her great. I think the dialogue, when it's there, it's necessary. I think that it moves very fluidly. I'm giving this a four out of five for story. The artwork is artwork that I think suits it. Can I imagine other other artists doing it? Yeah, but it's better than what I could do. Uh, the action looks great. The way the panel work, and we've always emphasized here on SPC how the panel work really moves. I think that's really good. Um, I think the the sequence during the Bertinelli assassination, which they don't show bullets hitting the people, but they show the spray of bullets hitting around the room. I mean, that really paints a picture. And then that poor scene of, with young Helena, she returns home. That's just absolutely heartbreaking because of how that's done, because of how they really lay it out throughout here. And the montage is a full page spread, pure 80s madness right there. Right? Pure, um, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Bloodsport glory. I'm going to actually give the artwork a five. So I am giving this an SPC total, at least just for me, 
of a nine out of 10. I'm going to continue reading this series. I'm hooked. And so for some of you, you're probably wondering like, why, why Huntress? One, I, I felt like, um, this is a character that if I didn't bring her up now, I, we probably would have never brought her up later. And it's always kind of these stories that come out as like, you know, I don't really know how I feel about them, but then they really end up surprising you. I mean, go back and listen to the Robin episode, the Mage episode. I mean, you hear me tell Mark, I don't know how I feel about these. I don't think they look good. But those are some of the highest rated episodes we've done in the past year. So I wanted to go ahead and give Huntress, uh, you know, uh, her time to shine. Yeah, she's DC's Electra. Yeah, she's Batman-ish. But she's cool, man. Huntress is always fucking cool whenever you bring her in. So that's uh, that's how we're swinging tonight. So go ahead and check out Huntress Issue 1 by uh, Joey Cavalieri and Friends. Well, that's all she wrote, folks. Remember, if you want to go ahead and check out more from the SPC crew, go ahead and support us at patreon.com slash secondprintpod. And as always, it's short, it's sweet, it's super simple. Go ahead and whisper to your lover's ear at night. Go ahead and just say it randomly throughout the day. Just scream at strangers. That's right. It's read comics and change the world. Good night, America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.